you've ever been to a track meet or you've watched the Olympics, you've seen this scene that's repeated itself over and over again. And it's at the finish line that an individual often, especially if it's a contested race, will put their body full in to cross the finish line. And those words are going to be the words that we're going to see the Apostle Paul describe in Philippians chapter 3, a book that is extremely encouraging, a description of what it means for us to press on. And in his words, he's going to talk about finishing well. Now, some of you, you might be saying, why are we talking about this? Because we're celebrating where we've been. But there's a component of this this morning that I want us to capture, both celebrating what God's done here, and we're going to give him glory and honor in this place today. But we're also going to recognize that as we build on that foundation of what he's done, that we get to press into where he's taking us. And we want to get that right together. I love this, this image when we talk about pressing on. I'm sorry, I'm laughing at this. This is awesome, right? Um, if you were there, this is a, a junior at, the, at Texas A&M. His name, this happened this last year, his name is Infinite Tucker. What an awesome name. And Infinite Tucker had completely the SEC 400 meter hurdles as the champion. Now, I don't think his skin lasted too long after that. Can you imagine the landing that he had? But, but he comes to the finish line and at the last second, he launches his entire body across the line. As we read together the book of Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 16, I want to read them in their entirety this morning. As we read this together, I want to encourage you that the Lord has something that he wants to do with us, that we are a work in progress. We accept that we haven't arrived yet at Hope Church. There's no one who thinks we've arrived yet at Hope Church, that we should pack up and finish. We did it. Congratulations. Mission accomplished. No, we haven't arrived yet. But there's a component for us that we find ourselves rejoicing in what it means for us to press forward, that we're going to give God glory for what he's going to do. And we want to press into it with all the enthusiasm of an athlete that we say, we want to hear the words from our king as we receive his message to us, well done, good and faithful servant. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. These words are powerful. Now that I, not that I have already obtained all this, or that I am ready, already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, this is the words, this is so profound. He says, forgetting what lies behind. Can you imagine a runner looking back while they're trying to run forward? One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Today, we as a church want to be people who recognize that God has given us a beautiful story. And for some of us, we were a part of that story even before it began. And today, we celebrate the vision for Hope Church. But together, we also want to recognize that there's still work for us to do, right? 
that we want to recognize that God's calling us to something different. And that trajectory makes all of the difference in the world. I had a, the privilege of growing up with three brothers, one of four boys. My brothers are all great athletes and college athletes, uh, successful guys, some great stories with them. But one of my brothers, I remember watching him in a junior high basketball game. And to be honest, he didn't get a lot of playing time. So when he got in, we took it seriously. It was before the days of the fat head, but we would have had one for him. You guys know what I'm talking about? No one knows what I'm talking about. A few of you do. But we were cheering for my brother and, and he actually got a breakaway, drove hard, uncontested, beautiful layup. And he makes the basket and the, and the crowd was deathly silent because he made the basket in the wrong rim. <laughs> now, you, you know that feeling, right? Like the sense of, he still holds it as one of his top 10 most embarrassing moments in his life, right? But there's a component of us when we talk about pressing forward that we absolutely want to make sure that we're pressing in the right direction, Right? That the vision that we're heading towards, that it's a part of what God is asking us to do. And I think in order for us to get this right, we have to begin with the premise that we do not honor ourselves. Today is not about us honoring only our story or celebrating one person or one person's vision. Actually, as we shared this story, there were literally hundreds of people, right, that were a part of the vision. We don't just honor ourselves or we don't assume that we've arrived in some level, but instead what we do is we honor our God in heaven, that we, we thank the Lord for what he's done in our midst. We thank him for the good things that he's done. In verse 12, he says this, and this is so encouraging to me. Paul's gonna describe that he made us his own, that the apostle Paul is going to declare that he is possessed by the King of kings and Lord of lords that owns him and called him his own. He says this in verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained all this. He's talking about his sanctification. He's not holy yet. He hasn't graduated to heaven yet or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. We know that we have not arrived, that the history of Hope Church is his story. And it's a story that at this point, we get to put a comma on, that we get to see that it's going forward, that there's more to be told, there's more work to be done, that the message continues on. And I stand back as a person who's just new to this place that gets to, to still walk in rooms and hope that I didn't even know we had, which is cool, you know. That there's a component of hearing the story, even today, as it's been shared with us, that I celebrate the provision of God. The first elders meeting that I had the privilege of participating in was back in May. And one of the things that we did over in the church offices, um, you get to tour the church offices today, which sounds very exciting, doesn't it? But over there, we have a dry, you guys don't act like you're that excited. It's going to be great. So in the, in the church offices, we have this dry erase board, and I grabbed a black marker, and with our elder team and the staff team, just asked the question, what are our assets here at Hope Church? What has God blessed us with? What, what has he provided for us? And as I turned and started writing on the board, I want you to know we filled that board with things that the Lord has provided for us. His provision, his goodness, parts of his story that he supernaturally wove together. And then I asked, what do we lack? And we had things that we lack and took a different colored marker and wrote it. 
But what we recognize is that God has been at work in Hope Church, that he's provided for Hope Church. And I'm so grateful for those who had the vision. When you think about that part of the story, the Grace Church part of the story that Pastor Jonathan and the leadership team at Grace sent many of you, many of you that he loves. I was with him last night. And when he talks about the planting of Hope Church, that that day, they didn't just send the people they didn't want at Grace, but that they sent people that they loved and that there was a part of this that it wasn't looked at like a goodbye, but it was looking, looked at like an investment for the sake of the kingdom. And I celebrate the fact that that happened. I'm so thankful for the provision for that. But on a day like this, which you may again be saying, why are we talking about the future when we're celebrating 10 years of the Lord's provision? I want to, to quote the great philosopher, Freddie Kitchens, um, for a second. <laughs> Freddie, I heard him in a, a say this statement. He said, there's a reason why the rear view mirror on your car is smaller than the windshield. And his point is that we don't spend all of our time looking backwards, right? But that we recognize that there's work to be done ahead. Mission has not been accomplished yet, right? That there's a component of where we're headed that is so important for us. That You know the, the story of, of Cortez. No doubt you've heard this story that back in 1519 that he's given credit for as a leader choosing to, when they made it to the new world, say, we're going to burn the ships. And you look at this and you say, why in the world would you burn the ships? Well, it's because he wanted to make no provision for retreat, right? We don't go back. Like, there's no desire for us to go back. We can't retreat. We can't live in the rearview mirror. But instead, what we do is we say, Lord, where are you taking us? What, what is it that you're asking for us to do? And it's so essential when we talk about the story of Hope Church to understand that it is our God's story. So the Apostle Paul, picture the Apostle Paul articulating the man who was responsible for being involved in taking people's lives because they were Christians. That somewhere in his life, when the Lord confronted him, when he repented in his life, that the Lord ends up using him to be a giver of life. And that that's his story. I don't know what your story is today. Most important thing for you today, visiting Hope Church, if you're here for the first time or if you've been here for 10 years, can you say the words that the Apostle Paul says in verse 12? Christ Jesus made me his own. You think about the words of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe in him? Has he become the most important thing about you? We don't honor ourselves in this place, but we honor our good father for his provision, don't we? Don't we thank him for his goodness? Don't we celebrate that he's taken death and brought life into it? He's brought death to life. Now, it's important on a day like this for us to not dwell on the past. We're not going to spend our entire time talking about the past, even some of the painful parts of our past. Look at these two verses. They're important. Verse 13 and verse 16. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. It's important for us to understand. The Apostle Paul is not saying that you have a memory delete button, right? Wouldn't that be great? For some of you, are like, I'm in. Where do we get one of those? 
We, he knows that we don't have a memory delete button, that we're able to just take the past and ignore it. In fact, in the context, if you have your Bibles, you can see he's talking about things in the past. In fact, he ends here in verse 16 by saying, only let us hold true to what we have attained. So what he's saying there is he's not saying, we don't ignore the past, but I love this image that we build on the foundation of the past. One, we don't repeat the same mistakes, right? I think that's a part of our story. Like we, we stand back and we say, we don't want to do the same things that others have done that have hurt us. We, we want to be a part of what God's doing moving forward. And there's a component of this as well that we build on the foundation of it. So we don't ignore the past. It's impossible. But what we choose to do is we, in some sense, overcome it. I love the idea of us saying that we're going to make peace with our past, that we're going to live in a world of forgiveness, that we're going to choose to allow ourselves to let go. Uh, when I was a kid, I read, and I've read it many times since, and then the story where, where the red fern grows. Any of you read this story? There's an image that has stuck with me that the author of that book uses where it says that in order to catch raccoons when he was a boy, what he'd do is drill a hole about the size of the hand of a raccoon. And that what they'd found is that if they put something shiny inside there, that a raccoon will reach in and grab it and then refuse to let go till it dies. And I want to mention to you, when I read that as a kid, this, this image of non-forgiveness in our lives can be exactly the same. You've heard the quote, right? That, 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 that non-forgiveness in our lives is like drinking poison and hoping somebody else dies, right? That it's, it's me choosing to say that I'm going to be so frustrated with what happened in the past that I refuse to let it go, that ultimately it defines my present and I, I fear for people who have chosen to allow themselves to live a bitter, discouraged life because of the fact that they refuse to forgive. The way the Lord Jesus taught forgiveness is he said to us, when we're people who understand how much he has forgiven us, that when we have someone who sins against us, that damages us, that wounds us, that we are people that choose to say that we're going to let that go before it destroys us. Anybody ever read Calvin and Hobbes? A few of you. Uh, okay. my, my brothers and I, we used to play Calvin ball. Like it involved rollerblades, basketballs, hockey goals. It was great. All right. So the rules are no rules, but it's a lot of fun. And one time my little brother, who's seven years younger than me, we, he was on rollerblades. We were both on rollerblades. That's a great visual image, me on rollerblades, isn't it? But but we were both on rollerblades and Josh got so mad at me. I mean, furious with me. Uh, and I don't know if it was justified or not, but he was so mad. I want you to think about the physics of this for a second. But he was so angry that he tried to kick me. All right. So, so you think about rollerblades, you know, you know, in the, and he's just full speed trying to, and you understand what happened, right? Like that he ends up looking straight up. And uh, whenever I see Josh, that's one of our favorite memories uh, because we ended up just laughing through it. It was terrible, but there's a component of this that we want other people to hurt at times because of the stuff that they've done to us. And ultimately there's a component of this that something that can radically change your life is if you choose to just let it go, 
So when the apostle Paul said, forgetting what is behind, do you remember we talked about this last week? There were people who tried to murder him. There were people who tried to do so many terrible things in his past. One of the people that he had to forgive that some of us in this room have to figure out how to forgive is himself. And there's a component of all of this that we find when we understand what it means to be people who press on to the future that at some level, life's too short for us to spend time focused backwards, right? Life's too short for us to ignore the past, but to accept that it becomes a part of our story. One of the other things that's fascinating to me is that it's easy for us to kind of live in the glory days, right? Like that we could kind of go like, you remember when? And, and we can do that on a day like this. It was amazing. I thought this was, a, was, was interesting. In both the Bahamas where I was a youth pastor and both in California, when we came in, everybody talked about the glory days of the youth group. And in both contexts, they said, there was a time in our youth group when we had 50 kids in the youth group. It was awesome. And so when we came, we noticed that as the youth group grew and it was, it was really cool what God was doing, then those some, same people would come up and they say, there was a time when there were a hundred kids in the youth group, you know? And then as the youth group grew to a hundred kids, then they, there was a time when there were 200 kids, you know? You, do, do you understand that we do this, right? That we, we look back and for some reason, when we look in our past, we find ourselves kind of glorifying the glory days, the the old days, and, and I like so much this quote that Jim Elliott, the missionary, says this, and I think that the person who figures this out, their lives are changed because of it. When he says, where you're at, be all there. What he's saying is don't live in the past. Don't live so far in the future that you're not paying. But he's just saying, be all there, right? That there's a component. Is this as profound to you as it is to me? That this idea that it's profound because it's convicting. And I think the apostle Paul is saying, forgetting what's behind, pressing forward to what's ahead. When it comes to Hope Church, one of the things that I want to clarify is I don't want to return back to the glory days. And it's not because they weren't great. I just wasn't there, right? And, and there's a component of that that some of you were a part of that. And I don't believe that God's ever going to take us back to exactly where we were because we're different, right? We're a different group of people. There's a different part of our story. We're in a different chapter of the story. And I believe that that's okay, Right? And I believe that what God is doing in and through us is doing something new. So in Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, he talks about the, the, this idea that you don't put new wine in old wineskins. It's kind of a weird thing. I don't think too many of us are putting much wine in wineskins, are we? But there's a component of this that I think with all the breweries that are around us here, we, we see these massive metal containers. And what they're doing is that they're making space for the fermentation process, the expansion and contraction of the fermentation process. And so when that phrase was said, what was described, you never put new wine in old wineskins, what he's saying is that you, if you take new wine, as it is going through the fermentation process, you want to put it in some new leather that's fresh, that can expand. And as it expands and contracts, that it can manage the growth and changes and dynamics that happen. But if you take it and you put it into something that's old, what happens is that it just breaks. It's, it's crusty, it's hard, it's, it's calloused. 
And there's a component of this when we talk about the future of Hope Church. I'll be honest with you that I pray that God would do a new thing at Hope Church. I pray that he draws new people to him from this community. I pray that someday that there's an ability for us to use all of these rooms that we have in this beautiful church in a way that glorifies and honors the Lord. I pray that there's a day when we have small group communities that are burden-bearing fellowship kind of things where we are collaborating together to see God glorified, that there's more opportunities for your, you to be equipped in your ability to take the gospel to a world that desperately needs it. I pray that Hope Church represents the diversity of our community more and more, even better than the diversity that's in our community. Those are just some of the things that get me excited. And I don't say that to ignore where we've been. We still desperately, we have these great stories of people who came off the street, saw the sign, read the name, said, I, I, I like hope. That sounds good. I want hope. That sounds awesome. Let's do that again. But let's not live in a context where we have to live backwards, focusing on reclaiming our glory days. But instead, what we want to do, this is so encouraging to me, we want to wholeheartedly go after our God-given purpose. Doesn't that encourage you? Doesn't that give you a vision for what we want to see God do? The Apostle Paul says it like this. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Straining forward, pressing on. This image is one of him saying, I haven't made it to the finish line yet. I haven't graduated to heaven yet. He describes that graduation in this way. He says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I don't know what that means, but I can imagine in the Olympics as they, they put the, the winner on the upper seat that they celebrate the good work. I, I think it's something about these words that God says, well done, good and faithful servant, that it's a part of the glorification that God wants to do in each of our lives. And then he goes on to say, let those of us who are mature think this way. There's a, there's a component of this that he's saying, this is what a grown-up does. This is how they think. God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Robert Jameson uh, says it this way. He says, looking back is sure to end and going back. We've already talked about burning the ships. We've already talked about the, the rear view mirror thing. So there's a component of this. I think of this image that we don't want to be people who retreat at all, right? We don't give up any territory because we are pressing forward. We remain steadfast. We know that we are work in progress. And that means that we keep working and we keep progressing. There's a component of the Apostle Paul's challenge here that, that tells us this is hard work, but it's okay. It's worth doing. He says, straining forward, we press on towards the goal. And then he says, the one thing I do. That word, the one thing I do is profound for me. And I don't know, what, what would be the answer for you? What's the one thing that you do? The apostle Paul is saying the one thing that he does in his maturity at this stage in his life and he says, I'm all in for the mission. I'm, I'm pressing with everything that I have towards the finish line. I don't know what your one thing is, 
but there's a laser beam, sharp, focused, directive pursuit that the Apostle Paul is saying is his story. And, I, and I'll tell you, church, that that's part of what I want to be about. That's who I strive to be as someone who says, Lord, where are you taking us? What does it mean for us to pursue it with everything that we have and to not look back so that we go back, but instead to build on the foundation of what God's done? I want to have that razor-sharp, single-minded focus. You know the story of Eric Little, probably. In 1923, in the Olympic Games, Scotland and France were in the finals. There's a, a beautiful race that took place. It was immortalized by the fact that, that halfway through the race, Eric Little and his story is amazing. His convictions for the Lord, his belief in God, but he falls during the race. And whether he's pushed or fell down, but there's a component of it all where you just would expect him to just have given up. He didn't even train for this distance. But, but ultimately, the story is beautiful because he gets up, he puts everything that he has in finishing the race, and he ends up receiving the victor's crown. And in the, in the newspaper after this, um, in the bulletin, Scotland's newspaper, it says this, this is the crowning distinction of Little's great career on the track, and no more modest or unaffected world champion could be desired. Little has built up his success by hard work and perseverance. And although hardly a beautiful runner, he has even triumphed over his defects of style. So he compliments him and then he puts him down. That's, uh, that's how it goes. But I, I can so relate to what he's, what he's saying is that Little put his heart into it and ultimately he finished. He reached the goal. I think at some level we accept that our goal is to experience what we've been talking about through the book of Colossians. Christ in us, the hope of glory, the, the glorification of our bodies, the no longer struggle with sin in our lives, the, the victorious crossing the finish line to be able to celebrate what God's doing. And I think our goal is to live our purpose, to finish well, to receive that glorification. The, the word there for goal marker or for goal that's translated in the text goal is the word for gold marker, the scopos. It's, our, it's what we're heading towards with everything that I have. If you like football, it's the pylon that you know that if you reach the pylon, that you've crossed the goal line, that you've succeeded on the mission. And I, I love the fact that the Apostle Paul, the way he's describing this is he's describing this as an all-encompassing, passionate pursuit. And that's what we're wanting to be a part of here at Hope Church. We honor our past. We thank the Lord for it. We build on the foundation of our past. And we are so grateful for those who have remained faithful, who've given sacrificially of their time, their treasure, their talents. But we don't stop there, right? We don't, we don't just celebrate the past, but instead we press forward with everything that we have. Charles Simeon of Cambridge puts it this way in his, one of his closing letters at the end of his life. He says, he says, I am so near the goal that I cannot help running with all of my might. Would that be our story, Hope Church? Would that be your story? That this, this recognition that I'm precious to God, that he calls me my father, that I'm bought with a price, that we honor him for what he's done, that we don't dwell on the past, but we build on it. We wholeheartedly go after our God-given purpose. I think if we do that, 
we find ourselves accepting that the mission has not yet been accomplished. And so with everything that we have, we pursue that, we strive for it. And I believe if we do that as a church, I believe that the impact that we have, the mission that was put on the wall, that we would be ambassadors of hope, that that's gonna happen in the world around us. And God is going to be glorified in and through us here at Hope Church. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your patience with us, Lord. We thank you that you give us a vision of where you want to take us. And I pray for each and every person that's here that you know their story, that you've been working in it, that you drew them here even today, whether it was uh, through the arms and, and invitation of others or whether it was just through your hand. Lord, however you brought each individual here, we accept that you're good, that you have a story that you wanna weave into our lives. And I pray on this morning that you who began a good work in us would be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.